Welcome to the Merge Feast, the podcast where we satisfy your cravings for all things Survivor. We're your hosts, Sam and Mags, and this is a recap for Season 45, Episode 4. Mags, what would you think of the episode? The ending put a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth for the episode, but other than that, I actually really enjoyed this one. Good. I... I'm excited to talk to you about this episode because I feel like I'm emotionally, I'm all over the place and I need to talk through my feelings. That's right. I'll be your therapist. Okay. That's what I need is some therapy here. (laughs) Well, let's get into that chaos, shall we? Let's do it. We start with uh, another recap. We, I don't know if we're going to get another previously on Survivor from Jeff for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's dead. I'm telling you, they cannot... Lose those precious 1.5 seconds where Jeff says, previously on Survivor. I know. I guess they just can't afford it. But we do get a recap of all the drama that happened last week with Sabaya going home. And it ends on Sean's pained and confused look at Tribal. I told you he looked like he was sick to his stomach. Yeah, he looked like he was going to throw up. And we end up right where we always end up, on the beach of that tribe after tribal council this time, of course. As always this season, it's the Lulu Beach. And we get Sean playing this part well. He's just been the victim of a blind side. Him and Sabaya were left out of the vote. He plays it well. You know, he says, well played. He smiles. He's upbeat about it. No hard feelings. He's, you know, schmoozing the other two on the beach. (laughs) I thought he handled this extremely well, both to everybody's face. I thought he was, you know, chipper about it. He wasn't mad at being left out of the vote. And also respectfully to the camera. A lot of times people are nice to their tribe mate's face and then to the camera they're ticked off. But honestly, he was putting a positive spin on it. You can tell, like, just to himself. So, therefore, to his tribe mates and uh, in his confessionals and talking heads. Yeah, no, it's true. In his in his interview with the producers, he's definitely still respectful, but you can tell he's definitely more, he's, like, shook. Definitely. From what happened to Tribal much more privately than he was publicly with yep. the other two on his tribe. And... It's kind of funny because I kept thinking like, wow, he's handling this really well. His tribe's probably happy. He's not like being confrontational. But Emily says like he's a chameleon and he's not genuine. And I just thought, okay, nobody can win. You're mad and people are mad at you for being mad and you're happy and people are mad at you for not being genuine. (laughs) Well, Sean is being exceptionally positive and upbeat in this moment considering all the things that just happened. Yeah. And Emily cannot comprehend how someone can be positive <laughs> in this moment. She is a glass half empty type of lady mm-hmm. and Sean is a glass always full type of guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, all the way full. Uh, yeah, so she's just, when Sean says, oh, let's all just move on, we can move forward together. Emily's just, hmm. No, let's let's brood on this for a while longer. Exactly, exactly. But Sean does say, you know, hoping for a tribe swap or something like that. And he manifests the future. Sure does. Because our next segment we go to, I wrote down in my notes, Jeff's Beach. We're going to Jeff's Beach. (laughs) And uh, all three tribes show up. And first of all, this is the first chance for the other two tribes to see the new Lulu tribe after voting Sabaya out. And everyone is shocked. Yeah, this is the biggest reaction we've had this season. Mm-hmm. And, and what got- a compliment to Sabaya. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people are just like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. And I think everybody's just got to be shocked to see Emily still there, right? Yeah. She's the one that everybody, I think, pegged from her first encounter with Bruce when she was kind of rude to him for no reason on the barge. Uh-huh. 
everybody thought, oh, she's going to be the worst. Yeah, I bet they vote her out quick. You see it a little bit later, but it does come into the light that that was everybody's first impression of her. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought Sabaya was a really strong person in challenges, which they were right. And so they were shocked to see that this losing tribe got rid of somebody who was great in their challenges. But it was that or Caleb. So. That's right. It was, uh, they don't know what Sabaya was planning, obviously. Right. So. Um, Jeff uses the term perverse enjoyment, which I thought, I bet Mags is having a little bit of perverse enjoyment at this segment. (laughs) Why me? I don't know. I I feel like you like it when he uses terms like that. (laughs) Well, you would be right. (laughs) He's talking to Emily and somebody else uses it later too. Somebody shouts it out at him. During this segment, Drew is wearing his buff in Mm -hmm. my opinion, the stupidest way you can wear a buff. How is he wearing it? So it's basically worn like a Santa hat. He's got it around his head mm-hmm. and the rest of the buff is dangling off to the side, literally like a Santa hat. Is it like tied up into a, a knot? <laughs> no, that would have been an excellent touch. That would have made it uh-huh. less stupid, but uh-huh. no, it's just hanging there loose, which this did inspire me to create somewhat of a power rankings of the way you can wear a buff. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. Let's hear it. Now, this is just my opinion, but it is the correct opinion. Okay. <laughs> We've got six different ways I broke down that you can wear buff. There are more, mm-hmm. but I think these are the six most common. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting at the bottom being the ugliest, at number six, we have the Drew slash Santa method, which is on the head hanging off the side like a Santa hat. This is made famous by Tony. Tony did it, but it would ha- hang off towards the back. Yeah. But this is a great way to sleep. Yeah. Well, no. Um, If you're sleeping, (laughs) in my opinion, the great way to wear it is just over your face entirely. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, I was just thinking it kind of looks like, you know, if you're in a full pajama set. Oh, my gosh. Like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it kind (laughs) of looks like. Okay. Um, In fifth place, we have the could be bald. And that is where it's on the head covering the majority of the hair made famous by Jeremy, the firefighter, Mm. who was balding but mm-hmm. looked really good with his buff like that. And then when he took it off, it was kind of like, huh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> what happened up there? <laughs> uh-huh. It's almost like a trick for guys who are balding. Yeah. This is a great way to wear the buff. We should normalize this outside of Survivor. Yeah, or people for big mm. foreheads. Yeah, uh-huh. huge foreheads, balding people. Let's bring this to corporate America. <laughs> In fourth place, we have the band, which is worn like a headband for long hair. It would be worn like a traditional headband. So starts at like the base of your neck, goes up behind the ears and finishes um, kind of at the hairline. Hmm. Um, For shorter haired people, it would be kind of almost like a halo worn just around the head. Like a sweatband. Like a sweatband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And third place, we have the bracelet, which uh, you guessed it, is worn around the wrist. Um, or the arm, which is made famous by Boston Rob. The the second coolest, in my opinion, would be the tight top, which is worn around the torso. Uh, mostly common for people with boobs, but this was made famous by Parvati. Brando would beg yeah. to differ. Brando would beg to differ, and he rocked it, so he's the exception. He's he's not he's up there with one of the flattest chested people to ever play the game, <laughs> and he rocked it. If I were on Survivor, that would be like people always say like bucket list Survivor things. Mm-hmm. This would be mine. I think people look so cool when they wear it like that, mm-hmm. and so um, that's why it's number two. And the number one would be the chain. Um, this would be worn around the neck, like a necklace or a chain, such as Caleb in this episode or Erica who won season 40. Now, if cold weather is in play, you have two more options. One is really cool. And one is, uh, almost as stupid as the Santa method. So we have an honorable mention and a dishonorable mention. Yeah, exactly. Um, the dishonorable mention would be starting on the neck and pulled up over the back of the head like a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like you're like peering out of a Mario pipe. Or yes. Something. <laughs> okay. And the cool way would be on the neck, um, but pulled up all the way, almost like a, you're wearing a turtleneck unfolded. <laughs> so up covering your nose all mm-hmm. the way, wrapping around your head. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, this kind of reminds me, there's kind of this like audio going around on like TikTok and Instagram and it's like, how I feel about certain design choices with little to no explanation. Mm-hmm. This, I like. This is a no for me. This is kind of my thoughts 
on how you were the buff. I would be curious to see how other people view this. Did I say anything that upset you? No, that's pretty good. You're going to, now that you've brought it up, you're going to have to make one of those videos for the podcast TikTok. I will. Yeah, so everybody follow us on Instagram and TikTok and you'll see. It's a shameless plug. It's a proud plug. <laughs> it's actually really hard to describe the ways you can wear a buff through a complete audio medium. Mm-hmm. This is not a visual place Mm -hmm. to do this so i did the impossible you did what you could and luckily we have instagram and tiktok to help fill in those gaps (laughs) that's right i'm surprised you didn't bring up the mini skirt or the anklet (laughs) all right but we do get the announcement from jeff speaking of buffs he says the words drop your buffs we're doing a tribe swap and apparently this is the first tribe swap pre-merge tribe swap since season 40 we haven't had any pre-merge tribe swaps in the new era so it's been almost five seasons at least yeah um since this has happened so it's it seems to be a more emotional tribe swap than normal and that's probably why yeah i would say because um most people are winners and think that they're a winner because of their tribe. And the people who are losers are like emotionally grateful. Yeah. I mean, the losers, Lulu, they're bonded together because they basically just went through World War Three. Truly. <laughs> and they made it out alive somehow. And so they're bonded together. They're super emotional to be leaving each other. And then all the winning tribes are, you know, emotionally because it's been all kumbaya at their beaches for... Man. Honestly, though, I'm so sick of people saying kumbaya. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not you specifically. (laughs) But they say that so much on Survivor. Let's come up with a new phrase. Okay. Any suggestions? Hunky dory. (laughs) Hunky dory. (laughs) It's been hunky dory. So, yeah, you know, the other peaches have been hunky dory. They've been peaches and cream for. Nine days now. So they're emotional to be leaving each other. We get, it's just a buff pickup, a blind buff pickup. They're all wrapped. They can't see the color on them. So they all pick one and they unwrap them. And I have a new tribe breakdown for you of who's on whose Let's hear it. I wrote it all down. So let's go through it. So our new Reba tribe consists of Sean from the old Lulu tribe. And then Sifu, Jay, Julie, and D, all from the old Reba tribe. So those four stay on the Reba tribe, and Sean moves from Lulu to Reba by himself. Yep. Those five. On the new Lulu tribe, we have Caleb stays in Lulu. He's the only one from Lulu, though. And the other four are Bruce, Jake, Kelly and Keturah, all from the Bellow tribe. So just like Sean, Caleb is in a four-on-one situation with the other four all coming from the same tribe on Lulu. Right. Bellow, the new Bellow tribe, is probably the most exciting split. Yep. We have Emily from the old Lulu tribe. We then have Drew and Austin from the old Reba tribe. And... Kendra and Brando, Kendra being astrology girl, for those who don't know her name. (laughs) And they are from (laughs) the old Bellow tribe. So this one is 2-2-1 from the old. Yeah, they've got a good mix of people. They do. Emily is really in the best spot. She is, and she doesn't realize it, which Mm -hmm. is good that she's like cautious and wary, Mm -hmm. but... That's the most desirable position coming from where she was. Yeah. She went from the bottom to the top. Yeah. She's like right in that swing vote spot because it's obviously going to be 2v2 and they all want her to be their third. So of the old Lulu tribe, Emily's in the best position. The other two have a little bit more work to do. The other two being Caleb and Sean for sure. We go to a commercial here and they all get sent home. 
back to their beaches, their new beaches for most of them. When we come back, we're on the Lulu Beach. So this is the Yellow Tribe. Again, it's Caleb, Bruce, Jake, Kelly, and Katura. They get to the Lulu Beach and Bruce breaks down immediately. Yeah, he's, he's emotional. He's crying while everybody else is trying to have a good time, to be honest. Yeah, he was kind of being a buzzkill in their eyes. Yeah. But respectfully, this was the beach where Bruce had had to come to terms that his survivor journey last season was over and had to be medevaced. It's an emotional spot. And uh, it was also a great opportunity for Bruce to make it about him, you know? <laughs> so he jumped on it. I, I, Bruce saw the opportunity for more screen time and he took it. He just took it, you know? He let the tears flow. <laughs> but it, it was funny. So I feel like Katura and Bruce now being on this new Lulu tribe together, uh, the producers were so pumped. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure, when they both pulled those yellow buffs. They knew yeah, that they had mortal enemies still on the same tribe, but that that rivalry could continue to, to grow, to Absolutely. flourish. What's interesting about Survivor, um, for a reality TV show, they can't manufacture drama like they can't in a lot of other reality TV shows. Supposedly on like The Bachelor, producers will get in the lead's ear and tell them like, oh, you should give this other person a rose. Even if the lead doesn't like that person, but that person stirs up drama so they know they make for good TV. What's crazy is how organic drama just happens on Survivor. They can't make those two end up on a tribe together. You see it right there. It's a blind draw. So it's it's actually crazy that she ended up on a, the tribe with the one person who she loathed the most. Mm-hmm. On a completely random yep. draw from zero. It's hilarious because Caleb is talking to Bruce about kind of that first journey, you know, the one where Brandon lost his vote and Drew got the safety is right. uh, safety without power advantage. They're asking Caleb what he heard about it from Brandon. And Bruce starts to explain what happened and Katura cuts him off and says, no, no, I want to hear it from Caleb just to compare yes. what he's going to say with what you told me. Right. Basically right in front of his face is like, no, I don't believe you. I'm going to double check your story. Yeah. Otherwise, you're in a heap of trouble. That's the, that, was like, that was like the vibe that I got from Katura right in front of his face. Yeah, it was like tricky, a tricky idea from Katura mm-hmm. to hear the other story and match them both up. But probably not the best move to do it right in front of Bruce to allude to I don't trust you. Yeah. All she had to do was let Bruce tell his story, let Caleb hear it. And then later, when you're talking with Caleb by yourself, you say, hey, did that, did what Bruce say match what Brandon told you? Yep. That's it. That's all you have to say. Because Bruce isn't going to lie to Caleb knowing that Caleb might know the truth. Right. So, yeah, it was, she was just kind of giving away her position. But it sounded like Bruce already know, already knew. Right. She didn't like him. So probably didn't change much. And then we have, of course, Jake. Lawyer Jake and Caleb, who had a, this pre-built connection from which when I they, had totally forgotten about. I know, me too. Made me really happy for Caleb. Yeah, yeah. From when they did that challenge, lifting the logs, where Brandon wet his pants. <laughs> Brando, sorry, not Brandon. So you're talking about the sweat versus savvy challenge? Yes, from the, the very first, first episode. episode. Uh huh. And they had this kind of connection where they thought, oh, if we make it to the merge, let's let's get something going. And now they're on the same tribe and it sounds like they're both ready to work with one another. So well, good for Caleb. You think so? It kind of feels like Jake has his reservations. Well, I'm sure Jake is just thinking if it's good for me, I'll work with Caleb. Yeah, exactly. Jake is in much more of the position of power. Yep. But Caleb's kind of just like, I'll take anything. Yeah. But Jake also has another moment here where he thinks he's so funny. Oh Man, I've yeah. I've never seen someone make themselves laugh. Yep. Like Jake does right Yes. Here. I think this is the longest anyone has laughed on Survivor. It's got to be. And is that his own joke? During airtime like this, airtime is precious. Uh-huh. There was like a big deal when this episode of The Office came out all these years ago and there was this really long moment of silence between Jim and Pam. And this moment of silence was crazy because they didn't often let big... You know, like dead air, basically, like that run. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought when they let this long laugh run. Mm-hmm. It was like a really long laugh for, no offense, not a funny joke. It was basically it was a pun. Funny. You know, it wasn't really, but like it was at the same funniness level as a pun. Yeah. Where it's like you kind of like give like a ha <laughs> and you move on. I wrote down what he said. Did you? Do you? Have no, it? let's hear it. He says, you know, everybody's going with, you know, Bellow Strong, but I'm not going to do that. You know, I may have to jump ship at any point. Luckily, I'm a good swimmer. And then he just cracks up. And you're right. It took so long. I thought there's no way they couldn't cut four seconds out of this to give us a previously on Survivor. (laughs) You got to sacrifice that. Uh, But now we're learning. We're learning a lot about Jake. Yep. Primarily, that's that he thinks he's pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, he really thinks he's a funny guy. He's cracking jokes to Jeff when he's giving them the idol. He's cracking himself up in these talking heads. He thinks he's the biggest guy on earth. He's he's the king of the ocean. (laughs) From here, we go to the Bellow Beach. And uh, really, we get to see the joy of Emily discovering fire. There is something therapeutic about this, okay? When you see the Lula members see fire for the first time, it was like I released a breath. I didn't know I was holding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I feel like th- this episode was super insightful to me. And we'll talk about it at the end as well. That really the importance of fire. And I'll explain myself later, but I think... The producers, I think it's time for them to retire this whole not getting flint when you lose an immunity challenge. Yeah, I'm kind of over that too. We get to see Emily see fire for the first time. And uh, man, as as she's kind of narrating her thoughts and feelings about being on the new tribe and building relationships with these new tribe members who are all from the old Reba tribe. No, no. She's on the split tribe. So she's on this. She's in this good spot in the middle. She wants to, you know, kind of ditch old Emily and move into this new role and be more natural and organic, you know, around these people. Man, I Emily is evolving at an incredible rate. It's true. It kind of had me thinking of there was a guy um, on Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. Um, he was like scared of everything. He's a small guy, uh, David. Mm-hmm. And it's people like David, like Emily, who have these stories that are super compelling and super endearing. And if they make it to the final three, they're going to win because they have such a great story. That story being, I came here one way, which from the world's perspective, was not a good way. And this game changed me and evolved me into being more courageous, a kinder person. It softened my edges. Like, they have these stories that really make them so likable. Yeah, no. that's what she's coming to. She really is. And she's, honestly, I wrote that she was like a Pokemon. Like, just like, that's taking some sort of performance enhancing (laughs) drugs. (laughs) Is that what Pokemon are doing these days? That's what what it seems. The last bit of this segment at the Bellow Beach, she is chopping open a coconut yeah. with her machete and she gives a very like poignant screw you Lulu as she aggressively yeah. chops this coconut. Man, talk about therapeutic. <laughs> she is so happy. The fire just changed her. <laughs> That's right. She's realizing now just how much her life has sucked the last you know, <laughs> nine days or whatever. From there, we go to the Reba Beach. And here we get, you know, really Sean's first crack, which is that he can work into amongst the other four who are all original Reba members. Jay reaches out to him. She really likes Sean. He's got some good energy. He really likes her and they're connecting. And almost right away, she sells Sifu out. Yep. Shows her cards, uh-huh. which I didn't mind because I actually really liked the the idea of these two being a duo together. Uh-huh. They had like a great energy. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. And I feel like Sifu, you know, he 
went and started looking for those idols kind of on day one and had that kind of chaotic <gasps> I forgot play. about that. That's why everybody mm-hmm. was so worried about him having an idol. Uh-huh. And now it's starting to come back on him because he did that without finding anything, right? We know that Austin eventually found the idol. And meanwhile, Sifu now has the suspicion with none of the power, which is a big problem for him. The other three, though, Sifu, D, and Julie, are all worried that Sean has the idol from Lulu's Beach. Yes. So they are looking through his bag. But first, they're like taking note on exactly how he tied the bag shut. They grab another bag of theirs, and they replicate the tie on their bag. Very clever, might I add, Uh so that they can retie his bag in the exact same way. Uh D has this... A quote in her talking head where she says, like, even if he knows that we look through his bed, he's on yeah. the bottom. Uh-huh. Like, so who cares? And I agree with her 100%. Why didn't they just, they should have just ripped his bag open, dumped it all out on the shelter floor, and just left it there. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back, they all look at him. Looks like you're clean, pal. You're one of us. Welcome. Congratulations. That's funny because when, when I heard her do that little talking head when she's like, you know, like we have all the power, so who cares if he knows we went through his bag? I thought you, obviously. Did you see the drastic <laughs> measures know. he went through to make sure that there's, knot was tied exactly so, the way? so paranoid. It's like, what is he going to do if he comes back and sees you went through his bag? He's going to say, um, that's it. I'm playing this advantage that votes all three of you out at the same time <laughs> without even having to go to tribal. Like, no, he's not going to do anything. You're fine. Julie is already getting a little bit suspicious about Jay and Sean connecting, but you know, she's not panicking about it, which is good. I think Julie had a good episode here. She showed she has some real logic which I appreciated. Yeah. I liked a lot of the things Julie said in this episode and agreed with a lot of her strategic decisions. I do have a a quote from Julie Mm -hmm. a little bit later um, that would beg to differ. Really? Yes. (laughs) The last thing I want to say about being at the Reba Beach is that we get a talking head from Sean and he mentions that them wanting to vote Sifu out is music to his ears, which... It's actually the second time that quote has been said in this episode, originally said by Caleb. Emily says it too. I know. No way. Eventually, all three of them are going to say, this is music to my ears. And that's why it's the title of this week's episode. Interesting, right? Yeah, that is interesting. Music to my ears. Man, the Lulu Beach must have been such a sad place Yes. to be. No music. As soon as they all leave, they all get, they all start listening to music. Right. Uh, that's hilarious. Now we move on to the Bellow Beach, and it's the morning of day nine. So now I can finally get my days straight. It's officially morning mm-hmm. of day nine. Emily is saying, you know, there's more people her speed on this tribe. What did you read into that? When people say things like that, they're trying to nicely say, Everybody else is a bunch of idiots. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it might be a hint at the possibility of maybe a seed being planted about perhaps a tiny bit of a showmance between her and Drew. Maybe I'm making it up. Maybe I'm making it up. But, you know, there's just something about a couple that, you know, can play chess late at night together. I don't don't know. I'm here for it. I am here for it. We'll see. But we have Emily, who's so excited to be included finally. Drew and Austin reach out to her smartly. I cannot believe that people didn't do it the day before. Yeah, I agree. But they reach out to her to include her in their alliance and say, we want to work with you. And she is so pumped. She has a really good quote where she basically says, like, this is the first time I get to play this game essentially as an equal. And that's true because she's been playing from the bottom and just kind of like taking whatever she can get. But now she feels like she's finally in a seat of power. Yeah. And I think that goes to show you in Survivor as well as real life how far you can go when you show someone mutual respect. right? When you give them the respect that they deserve, which she didn't do on Lulu. 
at the I beginning. Agree. And she did it with Caleb eventually, and that's when things started turning around for her. But now she's doing it with her current tribe mates, and they're showing it back to her, which is great for her. Yes. Um, and this is actually where she says, this is music to my ears. I jumped ahead a little bit. Yeah. No. So she says it here, and that's when it completes the trifecta of music to my ears. The Lulu music to their ears. <laughs> I'm shocked, though. That Drew didn't tell her about his safety without power advantage. <laughs> That's his main strategy. Is he to must tell... have, and they had to just cut that out <laughs> airtime. They have. really needed to include that big laugh from Jake, and they <laughs> thought this has to go. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows Drew's going to tell her. He tells everybody. <laughs> He's said it to the producers 15 times. <laughs> then we go over to the Lulu Beach, back to Caleb getting the tea with... The budding Katura versus Bruce rivalry. Katura kind of takes him aside after he's already been taken aside by Bruce and Kelly. Yes. Katura sees that and red flags go up immediately. So she takes Caleb aside to tell him straight up, I don't like that guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> we were at the water well, but I was no longer thirsty. I was finally quenched that is what caleb says i wrote that poetic down. Yep. i wrote that down i said quote of the season yes like he's reading from the bible uh-huh. he, it sounded like he was <laughs> quoting a psalm yes seriously <laughs> we were at the water well but i was no longer thirsty <laughs> oh that was beautiful it was beautiful stuff that's gonna go in survivor canon <laughs> right there and uh, katura has a really funny talking head where she is just venting about bruce it's kind of one of those where it's almost like a time lapse where it's not just a continuous talking head. It has to cut and cut and cut because of how long she's venting. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, was that last season when Gabler won? Yeah. And there is two seasons ago, two yeah. seasons ago. There is a similar thing when Gabler is doing a sort of endurance challenge and he's like, this minute is dedicated to my wife. <laughs> yeah, and then like right. this minute is dedicated to my son. And then it like shows time passing. He's like, this minute is dedicated to Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's right. The whole state. <laughs> oh, that's but so it's kind of funny because in her ranting, she says something like, he's always making funny noises. Like, hate that. But honestly, like nobody really likes a sound effects guy. Yeah, I I try and avoid making sound effects whenever I can, (laughs) except for when I'm cutting in front of someone in like a line, like Uh not cutting in front of them, but if I have to get through like a line of people, okay, the the line is blocking where I'm going. Yeah, I'll make like a kind of a sound effect to get through. (laughs) Now, after watching today's episode, I think I need to stop. (laughs) And Caleb is listening to all of this and is just licking his chops. He is so happy. That he's found such a a big divide because it's something he can work with. Yep. You know, it's it's hope for him, and I think really he's he's it puts him in a good spot for sure. I'm a fan of the underdog, uh-huh. and so this episode at the beginning was like a kind of a roller coaster of seeing Lulu get broken up, mm-hmm. and they have no allies on their new tribes, and seeing them each find their way was actually like super satisfying to me. In Caleb's position specifically, he is in this spot where even if Katura and Bruce aren't against each other for this first vote, even if they decide to stay kind of bellow strong and vote out Caleb, he now knows, Caleb knows that there is a real animosity between those two. And so his lie Right? He goes to Bruce and to Katura and say, hey, actually, they're telling me they want to vote you. That lie is a thousand times more believable. Yep, and way more effective. Uh-huh. If you were to go to Kelly and say, hey, Jake wants to vote you out, she probably would see right through that. Yeah, but like because, he's just trying to scramble. Uh-huh. But because he knows there's a real divide there, it doesn't matter if it's real at first or not. Even if they're planning on working together for this first vote, he can just drive a wedge right into it, cause the fear and the panic, and push them apart Absolutely. pretty easily now. Music to his ears. Music to his ears. 
After this, we get the immunity challenge. We do get a commercial break, which we'll take an ad break as well. And when we come back, we'll have our challenge breakdown. All right, guys, allow me to introduce you to Jancy and Co., your one-stop shop for all things macrame, weavings, and embroideries. Whether you're a seasoned home decorator or just someone who appreciates the art of handcrafted decor, Jancy Ann on jancyann.com or Etsy has something super special waiting for you. I've been looking at that keychain that you have that Jancy and Co. made, and it looks like quality stuff. It's handmade. It's super high quality. I have had it on there for such a long time. And I mean, look at it. It looks brand new. Well, that's perfect. If you like quality items, then go to jancyand.com or jancyandco on Etsy. That's J-A-N-C-Y-A-N-N-C-O. Okay, we are back. Mags, do you want to give us our immunity challenge breakdown? I sure do. So for this challenge, they have to swim out to a cage, climb up and leap in the water, break apart the cage and carry the cage up to the beach where one tribe member will have to dig out from under a log on the sand and slide under. That person will then be a rebounder and the rest of the tribe mates will shoot balls into three very small baskets. First two tribes to win, win immunity. There we have it. This was looked like a difficult physical challenge. It really did. Like heavy. Yeah. Those big bamboo cages were huge. Yep. And while they're carrying the cages out of the water, mm-hmm. for the most part, it looks like everybody is like really giving it 110%, like super struggling. Mm-hmm. But towards the end, there was this part where it shows Kelly and... Honestly, I think she was just faking it. (laughs) Like that episode of Friends when they're carrying the couch up and Rachel's like, this is really heavy. Well, for you guys, not me. And then she like moves her hand and to reveal she's not even helping carry it. Like that kind of felt like Kelly could have been at that point. I thought I saw a moment from Sean that was very similar. Yeah. He at least Sean said, hey, can someone help me in the back? Uh And they say, just keep going. And then it shows Sean. He's like kind of adjusting his handhold and clearly... Hadn't been doing anything. Yes. Uh, like there was no give when he let up. Yeah, exactly. I thought uh, in this moment, though, Sifu showed some incredible moments of strength. He really basically did. Basically by himself. He's, uh-huh. The Reba tribe is probably objectively the weakest tribe in terms of strength. So Sifu really had to show up here. And he would have these moments where he would just like scream and just pick up the cage by himself and move it 10 feet. Yeah. And uh, after he does it the second time, it shows him, like, look at his <gasps> hands. I was going to say that almost like a superhero who has newfound strength. Yeah. He looks at his fists, like, magically. Yeah. He's and like, it's kind of like, yes. It just was like the type of awe, like he had just shot fireballs out of his hands. Yeah. It was crazy. But they get to the spot where they have to drop off the cage, and they get the balls to shoot into these hoops, which were like hula hoops. They were pretty big. Right. These big nets and hoops. and uh, But they're high up. They were high up. There are three different heights, and they have to shoot over the cage. So you have to kind of get a high arc on it to get it up over the cage and into um, these nets. And let me tell you, Lulu Tribe gets there first, and Caleb is their shooter. I've seen enough. Caleb can ball. Okay. <laughs> That's the, the I know nothing knows. about ball, and yes, I can also confirm he can ball. <laughs> he can ball. They like they toss him the ball, and he like spins it in his hands, like he's about to shoot a free throw. <laughs> it's like okay, well, Lulu's won. Yeah. I don't even have to see <laughs> the last few shots. I know it's over. Yeah, nobody's catching this guy. So honestly, Caleb is so cool. He's so cool. He shows up. I mean, he's gotten also really lucky that they've had two basketball-related challenges. And that he could be the hero in. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he's done great with him. He's right. stepped up to the moment. Yeah. And, and what team is Brando on now? Brando is on Bello. We get kind of um, a shot that confirms a piece of information I learned about Survivor that I was um, really interested in. After they carry the cage up and they get under the log that they had to dig under and go under, 
one of their tribe mates goes out of the cage and unties the knots that releases the balls and then they throw the balls to their tribe that gets to shoot them. Mm-hmm. But you do see that Brando picks his glasses up from somewhere, puts them on and unties the knots. And I, I did hear about this a while ago that there are contestants that need glasses, but you know, like he couldn't be wearing them when he started off in the water. You know, yeah. they jump off of this high thing. So they will place their glasses before the challenges. Uh, like the producers will place their glasses in a spot right before they will need them. So he gets out of the cage, goes over, grabs his glasses, puts them on, unties the knots. Yeah. I didn't notice that. That's an interesting background catch. Yeah. He has to go pick those up. Because I imagine burrowing through the sand would also be difficult with glasses on when you're trying to squeeze through that little hole that you've done. Yeah, true. So Lulu tribe, no surprise there. They have Caleb who shoots an incredible percentage all the analytics say that you know that's a high percentage shot for caleb cool so you know give him the rock basically is what i don't know what that means but he can have it he can have the rock pass him the ball he's gonna put it in the bucket and he leads lulu to their first ever immunity challenge victory i was so happy that caleb won Mm -hmm. like i really like caleb and i didn't want to have to see him fight to stay another day in this game. If you thought that was emotional, second place is Bello. Yeah. Bello secures immunity by finishing second. And Emily, for the first time, does not have to go to tribal council. And wow, her reaction is so incredibly emotional. It is. She is sobbing. Man, it almost made me cry. She was so just relieved. Yeah, I was going to say, like you could like see the relief coming off of these guys. Mm-hmm. Both winning tribes let their former Lulu tribe mate go and get the immunity idol because they have never had it before. And that was like, like so satisfying to see as the viewer. And it's just cute that they let them do that. And that was a big sacrifice for Jake and Bruce, especially. <laughs> because you know... They were thinking about that potential screen time. But we have, unfortunately, the Reba tribe loses. They were pretty close. They were only one hoop behind second place. and uh, But they don't win anything. They have to go to tribal council. Reminder of the, the Reba tribe, you have Sean from the old Lulu tribe, and then you have Jay, Sifu, Julie, and D, all original Reba tribe members. And they are going, those four are going to their first ever tribal council and have to give up their flint for the first time. And so, unfortunately, for our poor pal Sean, he is going to tribal council again. Usually, after a challenge like this, we go to the Loser's Beach, but we get a rare shot. We go to Lulu Beach instead, the Winner's Beach, yeah. to get this reaction, this, you know, this moment of relief from Caleb in particular that for the first time they've broken the Lulu curse and he doesn't have to go to tribal council. He's ecstatic. He is. He sings like a song. Yeah. Yeah. Like a rhyme. That was yeah. kind of cute. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. I can't remember either, but he, he's just having so much fun. He's dancing on the beach is, I mean, he gives us yet another, Great basketball analogy, just reinforcing that he knows ball. From there, we do go to the Bellow Beach where we get to see Emily's reaction as well. And we get to see her see fire for the first time. Yeah. She says like in a game where fire represents your life, like seeing it is like basically the best feeling. It's kind of crazy. Like I've gone so long without seeing a fire in my real life. But, like, they're desperate to see it in this game. Yeah. I I feel like, you know, that's it represents cooking food and having warmth in the cold nights. Yeah. Like, fire, when you're surviving like that, and probably it makes such a difference to your morale. Definitely. And so it's it's huge for these former Lulu members to get to be on a regular beach with fire and, you know, warming their their feet and their souls. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, 
along with all of the practical things that come with having fire, there's like an emotional or bonding side to it. Like, especially like when it's dark outside, everybody loves like sitting around a campfire and people just like tend to open up and conversation tends to flow that like, that's a bonding experience that you don't have that you're kind of missing out. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. But now we get to the Reba beach where the drama is happening. They are preparing for tribal council later that night. And while they're all washing the sand off in the ocean, D just comes out and says it and says, Sean, maybe you're the bad luck charm. Yeah. And he's like, maybe I am. She's like, no, seriously. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> he's the problem. D. You're just piling on now. Just let him relax for a second. I was thinking about Sean during this part. And of course, spoiler alert, Sean gets sent home at the end of this episode. But I was thinking if Sean could just make it through tonight, his resume would look incredible. Like he'd been to the first, you know, four tribal councils and made it through alive. That looks good. And one of them with a completely new tribe where he was seemingly on the bottom. That would have been really great. Yeah, definitely. We do get Sifu referring to himself in third person twice, actually. Yep. One time while doing some kung fu moves to just take it to another level. uh, We get to know Sifu a little bit more in this episode. And uh, when I say get to know him a little bit more, we just kind of get the things we already knew about him repeated at us Uh a couple of times. Yeah, emphasized. Yeah, exactly. This is where we get that Julie quote I was referring to earlier. Some of the girls are chatting about possibly getting rid of Sifu and keeping Sean. And Julie seems happy to go either way. But then in a talking head, she says, we need Sifu for challenges and says, take a look at today's challenge. For example, if we didn't have Sifu, we'd still be carrying that cage. I thought I got news for you, Julie. You had Sifu and you lost. So, and maybe this is the part of me that just loves Sean and wants Sean to stay. But I just wanted to be like, you have the challenge guy and you lost the challenge. I see where you're coming from, but they were close. They were so close to winning that challenge. They were only one hoop away. But what she's saying is without Sifu, it would have been a blowout. They would still be in the ocean. Right. But that was the strength challenge. That was the epitome of having a strong person. And you had the strong person and you lost. Yeah, it was close. But when you lose, you lose. It's not like they can say, well, it was close. So I guess you don't have to send somebody home. I agree with, I think I agree with Julie in this moment. I think you're blinded by your love for Sean. I know. And I I do, I do love him, but I just, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I needed somebody I didn't like to be in Sean's position so I could really make an educated choice. Before we go to tribal, we do get a conversation between Sifu and Julie. And Sifu's like singing this creepy song while he like twists the machete around and then basically like slams it down onto a coconut and looks at Julie and is like, do we have a problem here? <laughs> Sifu loves that machete as like a prop. Uh-huh. He does. He's a prop guy. Yeah. He loves just holding it, swinging it around, chopping it into things. He's uh, he's very theatrical. Mm-hmm. The prediction that I made as we go into tribal is it seems like Sifu's going home for sure. I yeah. think you have Julie is agreeing to go along with D and J who are both more adamant that they get Sifu out. I think they've correctly or convincingly made Sifu believe that they will be staying Reba strong and they have Sean on their side as well. So I think this is going to be a successful blind side of Sifu. Yep. That's where my head was at too. We get to tribal and it starts pretty normal. Whole bunch of pro Reba propaganda kind of being right. spewed at us. And for the third time in five minutes, Sifu refers to himself in the third person saying, Sifu reads energy. That's right. <laughs> Means master teacher. Yeah, he's a character for sure. And there was another great moment where Sean says to Sifu, after Sifu says, like, you're just not my burger, basically. So then Sean says to him, like, what do you want, pizza? I'll be your pizza. Uh And I just thought this was so cute and like it totally reminded me of around Valentine's Day. You see these like cheesy memes that go around Um, and they're usually like a quote from a TV show with their face, you know, like a picture of Stanley's face from the office saying you make me happier than pretzel day. I could see this cut out of Sean's face and it just says, I'll be your pizza. (laughs) Oh, it's cute. 
I thought this was one of the worst analogies we've ever had in tribal council history, though. Say it again. Sifu's gives this whole spiel about how he's a master teacher. He reads energy. He's feeling a whole bunch of positivity from Sean, which it's like, Sifu, I'm, I've not been doing Tai Chi since I was six. I'm watching on my TV and I'm getting a bunch of positive energy from Sean. <laughs> I don't think what you're saying is as impressive as it actually is. And then he ends that whole spiel with, but it's not the burger I want. You know what I mean? No, Sifu, I don't know what no you mean. There's no other burger analogies you... in the speech to tie it all together. The burger came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was this, like, it blindsided. That was the biggest blindside <laughs> of the whole tribal was this burger analogy okay. that came out of left field. Let me let me rewrite this speech for Sifu. Mm-hmm. So maybe he says something like, you know, Jeff, I'm looking for the best survivor burger I can have. To me, that survivor burger would be loyalty as the patty, the buns, people I could trust, the tomato, good peaches and cream. <laughs> <laughs> hunky dory. Yeah, hunky dory times with my tribe. And then maybe he just says, unfortunately, the positivity isn't something I need on my burger. No, how can he tie this together? The Lulu sauce, which is mustard. He doesn't like mustard on his burger. Lulu's yellow. Oh, okay. That's Sean good. Uh-huh. came from Lulu. Yep. He's gone. Yeah. This is hard, actually. You know what? Maybe Let's just steer clear yeah. of any burger analogies <laughs> at Tribal Council. I think that's the best. Yeah, that's yeah. the safest way to do this. And here is where we get to my my emotional maze that I'm trying to navigate right here. His Jeff opens it up to Sean and says, well, Sean, if every, what everybody's saying is true, which... We all know it wasn't. They were all planning on voting Sifu. Yes. But they all made it seem like they were voting for Sean, just in case Sifu had an idol. Jeff says, if everybody is saying the truth, you're in trouble tonight. So what has this experience been like for you? And we get this very emotional, very heartfelt kind of a speech or monologue from Sean talking about his survivor experience his experiences outside of Survivor, and it ends with him asking to be voted out. Talk me through this because I don't know what to think about this. I was absolutely shocked. It did not start off that way. It started off with this really like touching quote from, I think he said like his second grade teacher. He says, my second grade teacher said, failure is good. It helps us grow, teaches us what we need to know. So then I thought, okay, here comes his redemption speech about how I made some mistakes in my last tribe and here I am ready to grow. I've learned what I needed to know. Now use me. I'm loyal. And that's where I saw that going. But then for it to turn into like, I want to go home, I thought, oh, wow, this is like a really deep play he's doing to try and convince Sifu to to try and convince Sifu that they're not planning on voting for him. Yeah. And then he like started to cry and say how much he missed his husband. And then I thought, he's taken this too far. Whenever he stays in the game, everybody's going to be like, wow, he can lie. He can cry on demand. Like all this time I kept thinking, this is still ploy. And then like all of a sudden just clicked whenever he said like like his adventure was at home. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's serious. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked. And, and Jeff like says to him, what's the difference between leaving today rather than leaving on day 26? Mm-hmm. And... You can see that Jeff is like once again in shock and disappointed in in his contestants this season. And I feel like he was seconds away from pulling out a piece of paper and pen and saying, no, seriously, why are so many people quitting this season? Like, tell me what we need to fix. Yeah. I, I am so split on how I feel about this because what Sean shares is very, you know, touching and emotional. And, you know, he shares about his upbringing, you know, growing up in as a member of an LDS family and being gay and the difficulties. And he describes it, I think, really well as a very difficult and complex, like, challenge. And I think you and I both know people in the same situation who have, you know, it's caused challenges and divides within their family. And, and I think those are the types of things that like, those are hard things to live through and to go through. 
and things that are transformative as a person and are central to who people are. Those things, though, for me as a Survivor fan and a viewer, those are the types of things that I love when people draw on to drive them in their competitive nature, drive them to want to succeed and to want to win, to push through the difficult situations that they're faced with on Survivor. Because this is a game. Jeff is exactly right here, where what's the difference between going home day nine and day 26, right? There's so much more Sean can learn and so much more Sean can go through to help him kind of process the things he's been through in his life, right? All the difficulty and the pressures that he's been through externally in real life, the pressures he's put on himself internally in real life. And there's so much more Survivor I feel like could have offered him to learn from those things and to progress and to move forward. Right. But talking about he wants to be with his husband. What I agree with with Jeff is, your husband's your husband's going to be okay if you go another 17 days on Survivor. I was thinking if this were the case where he had like a sick family member at home. Yeah. If his husband had a cancer diagnosis, there are times like that where I'm sure being on Survivor can be super eye-opening and where you realize like what's really important in your life. And to me that would have been more understandable. And this leads me to Obviously, this is not the first time this has happened this season, right? And it leads me, and I'm sure Survivor producers and other Survivor fans are wondering what needs to be adjusted in the casting process to fix this. Because one of the most frustrating things about tonight's episode was Sean's post-vote-out interview. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, I feel happy. I'm proud of myself for going out on my own terms. And I think all of us as viewers were, that's not how it works. This is not a game where you get to go learn what you want to do, like what you want to learn and then peace out, right? Yeah. It's not fair to the other people on, on the show. It's not fair to all the people who tried out to be on the show. It's not a, it's not just for you. There are a lot of things that are for you. There are a lot of things that are for you and things that you can learn. But you're also there and you're expected to kind of give it your all so that the other contestants and the viewers and everybody has the the season overall is as successful as it can be. And when people, if people are just quitting, right, it's this idea of if everybody had the same attitude as Sean, the show wouldn't work. Something definitely needs to be adjusted in terms of the expectations that are set for the castaways before they're. Maybe they need to. Scare the daylights out of them. I know. And tell them if you quit, you have to fly home on this like super rickety helicopter that is just used to transport livestock, and there's not really even a seat, but you can like sit on this box. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking just reverse the reward. So if you win, you get a million dollars. If you quit, you have to pay <laughs> us a million dollars. Yeah, it's a, kind of a frustrating end to a great episode, and kind of. The same thing we were saying in episode one, which was this season has a lot of great players. And so it's frustrating when there are players who are not all in. Yeah, like Jay, for example, Mm -hmm. she's a great player and she was here to play tonight. And it kind of stunk that she didn't really get to play because in the end, one of her tribe mates just asked, we please just write my name down. I would like to go home. Yep, exactly. She doesn't. She doesn't get that resume builder of a move. Yep. She doesn't get the the seafood blindside on her resume. It affects her chance at a million dollars. Yeah. It's unfortunate. The other sad thing is we just like Sean so much. I know that's really where most of this comes from for me is that I loved Sean and I wanted to see him play more and I thought I really thought he could win. If I were, if I were in the situation, I would have done what D did. I would have ignored Sean's like plea to vote for him yeah. and voted for Sifu. I thought that was legit. Yes. And then back at camp, pep talk him and tell him like, yeah. you can do this. You can do this. Like, I know you miss your husband. He misses you too. But imagine if you bring him a million dollars. Exactly. Yeah. You can go so much farther. There's so much more for you out here. And huge props to D for still voting for Sifu, yes. even though it was probably bad for her game. And <laughs> we'll see how it turns out in the long run. Well, it was kind of weird because you do get a little clip where 
the three women who were going to vote Sifu originally look at each other and kind of try and decide what are we doing. And Jay says to the other two, whispers to them, Sifu, like, Mm -hmm. we're still on Sifu. So it's Mm -hmm. weird that she in the end didn't even do that. Yeah, Dee's the only one who votes for Sifu. In the end, Sean goes home. He gets the votes. Um, Seems like everybody except for Dee votes for him. He throws a vote on D because yes. he does not want to throw a vote on Sifu and risk Sifu going home instead. Right. After the votes are read, it gives a little close-up of Sifu, and to nobody, he whispers, who voted Sifu? <laughs> and that is the fourth time that Sifu talks about himself in third person. Then he hugs Sean to say goodbye and he whispers to him did you vote for me and like completely smiling and just throwing a bomb into Sifu's life he just says no (laughs) got him got him (laughs) Sifu's gonna have nightmares (laughs) this is why I think they need to get rid of losing tribe not having flint I think Sean is now a result of no fire for nine days it drove him home into his husband's loving arms yeah because he hadn't had the warmth of fire for almost a week and a half. Yeah. And if that's a change that needs to happen and the result is less people quitting, I'm all for it. Yeah. The Flint thing doesn't really get me anyways. I'm not super into that, so I'm with you. All right. Let's get to our voting stats. Finally, we've got some good stats. Um, We have three people that each have a vote on them that are still in the game. So Sifu, D, and Caleb each have one vote on them. Sifu, D, and Caleb with one vote. Uh, the only vote, no, that's, yeah, no. Sean voted for Caleb and he's gone now. Yep. Sean voted for D and he's gone now. So the only vote that's between two people still in the game is D voting for Sifu. That's right. So let's get to our best move and worst move let's of the do episode. It. I had worst move. This is a rare worst move. Okay. Because it's not done by the person who went home. Usually the person who does the worst move is the same person getting voted out. This worst move is really, there's two. And they're not really that bad, but I think there's two worst moves. One is, although I love it, it's Keturah's irrational hatred for Bruce. Yes. She's letting it infringe on her ability to play the game. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to turn out poorly for her. We'll see. But the way that she talks about him to other castaways and contestants and talks to him, to his face, is polarizing and is going to cause a great battle in the future. The other worst move is by D, unfortunately, and J. I think it was in their best interest to vote out Sean anyway. And, uh, And so... Mostly by D because she's the one who ended up writing Sifu's name down. But I think the idea of voting out Sifu first before Sean was a mistake. You're right. That was a, in the end, that was a bad move, especially since he went home anyways. That yeah. was just like her rebelling for no reason. Yep, exactly. And the, the message it sends to their other Reba tribe mates that are now on a different tribe is uh is not a good one if yeah you send we'll see home. how that plays out for her but you're right it doesn't look good so far for the best move i have emily's tactic on her new tribe she yes. went there with her new and improved um outlook and new and improved way of chatting with fellow tribe mates and i think that's gonna make a huge difference for her so far it already has she's in a new alliance and seemingly in the majority alliance at this point yeah emily if she keeps like growing at this rate, she's going to be too powerful. She's going to be, she's already one of the front runners to win the season. I feel like. Yeah. And if I, she keeps, she's like AI. She's like chat GPT. She's just intaking information and then just like adjusting, you know, she's <laughs> like this self learning computer program. It's, it's incredible stuff. Okay. That's interesting. You say that because I did see some more stats this week. These were just people and their opinion, who they thought was going to win the season. And Emily was the majority at 94%. Holy cow. Yeah, that people thought she was going to win. Who do you think the second player was? Maybe Caleb? No. 
Drew. Wow, yeah. yeah see, I told you he's Drew a Drew was the beast. next at 36. That is a huge gap. Yeah. And you may be surprised to know Caleb wasn't even on the list. Yeah, he's too likable. That is interesting. Let's get to our mailbag. The question of last week was, do you like the advantages and new ways of this new era of Survivor, or do you prefer the old way? All right, let's read some of our responses here. Our first response says, I have mixed feelings about the new era of Survivor. I, for one, love the new advantages and weird idol rules. The one thing I don't like is the shorter length. I miss seeing how annoyed people were with their tribe mates by day 39. Thank you, London in Wisconsin. That's true. The shorter time frame, not just how annoyed they were with their tribe mates, but like the physical toll it takes on your body with an extra two weeks, I think is a, is a big deal. People are more likely to be ornery. They're more likely to snap. They're more likely to be emotional. I like seeing people that far into it. Although from talk of the producers and Jeff Probst, it sounds like they are not going back to 39 days, at least for a long while. This is my first season watching with the new era of Survivor, so it's a little hard to make a final judgment on these new idols and advantages until I see the season through to the end. With that being said, I think it's a good way to challenge the cast in different ways and will hopefully make for some interesting tribal councils. But if it came down to it, I would definitely trade in these new idols and advantages to get the old era of Survivor back. Thank you, Benson in Utah. I feel like the new era of Survivor compared to the old era is much more savvy. Most of the exciting moments in old tribals came from people making dumb mistakes. And now a lot of the exciting moments come from people proactively using idols or advantages. They've already learned from old Survivor's mistakes. Thank you, Rebecca in Kansas City. Some interesting thoughts on the new era versus the old era. I think my thoughts are I like them both. Yeah. They're a little uh, bit different. but I, I do like them both. I do prefer old school. Although, who's to say how if it would get boring or not, I guess. Yeah. I know they, they had to switch it up because when people start to know the game like the back of their hand, then they play differently. Yep. And sometimes it's nice to see these contestants on their toes. I agree with that. What's our new question of the week this week? I want to know what's the coolest way to wear a buff. The coolest way to wear a buff. You can take a screenshot or send a picture of a previous castaway. You could also let me know the stupidest way to wear a buff. Yeah, I want to hear if anybody has a new way. Can you think of any new ways to wear a buff? Or have well, you they mentioned all the been- anklet. The anklet. Which I may call. Anklet? Okay, here we go. The anklet is what I would call the parole. The parole. <laughs> <laughs> I'll share my thoughts. I'll, I'll save them for next week. Yeah. Because I got some thoughts too on it. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. As always, you can reach out to us at our email address, themergefeastpod at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Instagram where we're at themergefeastpod. Same handle on TikTok at the Merge Feast Pod. Or, of course, always you can reach out to us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at the Merge Feast. You can follow us on any of those platforms, message us, share memes with us. We love seeing all that good stuff. I will put the email address in the show notes. That way you can just quickly click it there. It'll take you right to it. Yep. And then send us an email with your thoughts on buffs or. You can send us your thoughts on the season as well. We love reading your takes and bitter end to the episode, but a good, some good workings. And I think although it was a bitter end, the way that it ended kind of set up some, hopefully some future excitement, some future complications for our castaways. It planted some seeds. It left some loose ends, which I like. Had we not had two other quitters on this season, this would have still been a good ending to me. But I think I'm just a little bit sick of the quitter ending that I'm ready to see something else. I agree. Like, I didn't realize how hungry I was for Blindsight until we saw Sabaya go home. So I think just coming off of that high to this again was just like, ugh, aren't we over this now? Yeah. Like, aren't we playing now? Well, we'll see how things go. Thanks for listening. Yeah, give us five stars. Thanks, bye.